Thank you for listening to Rearview Mirror Chronicles. To send me an email, please use rearviewmirrorchronicles at gmail.com. And to send me a message on WhatsApp, plus 6016-425-6301. Hello, and welcome to Rearview Mirror Chronicles. My name is Keith Hockton. I'm a public historian, author, and broadcaster. And today I'm going to be talking about haggis, because Buns Night isn't that far away, and haggis is the national dish. If you haven't heard of it or eaten it, it's a dish that is considered special for a few reasons. First and foremost, it's a traditional Scottish dish that has been enjoyed for centuries, and it's often seen as a symbol of Scottish culture and Scottish heritage. Yes, it is the national dish of Scotland. So the Haggis Scoticus in Latin is about the size of a large house cat or a small dog, and it lives predominantly in the highest mountains and the highlands of Scotland. More about that wee furry creature later. The origins of the haggis are unclear, but it is believed to have been eaten in Scotland, well, I don't know, I guess for about 700 years. And some historians believe that it may have originated with the ancient Celts, who would stuff the organs of an animal with oats and spices to make a type of sausage, a large sausage. Others believe that it was introduced to Scotland by the Vikings, who would also make a very similar dish. Haggis became particularly popular in Scotland during the 18th and 19th centuries, and it's still widely considered today, particularly on Buttons Night, as I mentioned, which is the 25th of January, which celebrates the life and works of Scottish national poet Robert Burns or Robbie Buns. In recent years, haggis has also become pretty popular outside Scotland too, uh, even as far as India and Nepal. <laughs> and they even serve, I had it, they, had a, they have a version of it in Nepal that's like a Prakora. Who would have thought, huh? So the haggis itself is a very distinctive wee creature in that the legs on one side it's the right or the left, but they're shorter than the legs on the other side. And this actually allows the creature to easily navigate, you know, the rocky terrain of the highlands and to find its way through, you know, the longer heather or the grasses. And it has a mane of hair, pretty much like a lion and very pointy ears and face and bright blue eyes and sharp weed teeth. Haggises are also notoriously difficult to catch due to their running around in circles and they're extremely fast, again, due to their muscular legs. And there are two different types of haggises where one breed actually has a longer right leg and the other has the longer left leg. These two species, unfortunately, are unable to interbreed as the male of each species loses his balance when he tries to mount the female of the other species, which results in an angry female and a very embarrassed male. It's not for lack of trying, though, and this is also when they are easier to catch. Starry-eyed and off-balance, you'll need a large butterfly net for the job. (laughs) I am, of course, talking complete and utter nonsense here. However, however... In a survey taken in 2020, so probably just as the lockdowns were about to happen, they found that one third of visitors to Scotland from the United States of America believed that story, the story that I've just told you. But you know what, folks? It's just a wee Scottish tale to entertain the visitors. 
And while we're on that subject, did I tell you that in Australia, we actually have drop bears, bears that drop from the trees. <laughs> but that's a story for another time. So back to the humble haggis. The first written recipe of haggis dates from about the year 1430. So what is a haggis really? Haggis is a savory dish containing sheep's pluck. The pluck includes the heart, the liver, the lungs of the sheep, and the pluck is then mixed with minced onion, oatmeal, and spices, of which you would probably add black pepper and mace. Salt and stock are also added to the mixture to form what we now know as the actual cooked haggis dish. And as I'm reading this to you, my mouth is <laughs> watering. These ingredients are all minced together uh, and traditionally then stuffed inside the sheep's stomach, therefore utilizing pretty much everything that the sheep actually has left to hand. The traditional method would be to boil the haggis. And nowadays, the, the haggis is more likely to be found in a sausage casing rather than a sheep's stomach. But you can still go traditional and there are still butchers, predominantly in Scotland, that will actually happily do that for you. So my mother was, <laughs> not now, but she, she was a notoriously bad cook. And, you know, Brussels sprouts, well, they used to come to me pureed as a, as a kid. I actually thought that was how they, they should be served. And I think one of the first times I went to a restaurant and I'd ordered them and they actually came out not pureed, I actually called the waiter over and said, I don't think these are cooked well enough. So she was, she was a pretty bad influence uh, for cooking when I was growing up. My dad, on the other hand, to show how bad a cook she was, and I'm not telling any tales here. Mum knows exactly what she was like um, before dad had his heart attack, which he survived, by the way. But of course, the, uh, the surgeons actually put it down to my mum and her cooking. So there you go. But she can cook haggis like the best of them. Now, I'm going to share a very old family recipe of haggis. And this has been passed down through our family, which effectively were the Arnots and the Galbraiths, maybe for like 400 years. So don't worry if you can't write this down, because uh, you can always rewind and just go over it. But this is the secret recipe, the secret Galbraith Arnott haggis recipe. So what you need, number one, you need ox bung, about 1.4 kilos worth of lamb's pluck. So effectively hearts, lungs and liver, 500 grams of beef or lamb trimmings or, or stewing steak works the same, 200 grams of suet, 500 grams of oatmeal and coarse oatmeal, has to be coarse oatmeal. The seasoning that you add to adjust the taste, well, it's personal, but my favorite or part of my recipe is two tablespoons of black pepper, ground, one nutmeg, which you finely grate, four tablespoons of coriander seeds, and one tablespoon of fine sea salt. I tend to rinse the whole pluck in cold water and then trim off any of the large pieces of fat and then cut away the windpipe, only because I just don't like looking at it. And I then place it in a good-sized pot and cover with cold water. The lungs float, right? So keep that in mind. So try and keep them submerged with a, with a plate or a lid, and you bring that entire mix to the boil, and then skim the surface regularly and gently simmer for two hours. 
Again, you can probably hear it in my voice. My mouth is starting to salivate as I as I speak. I then strain the cooking liquid through a fine sieve and you put back on the stove to reduce until you have roughly about, ooh, probably about a liter of stock. Um, and then you leave it to cool. So while the stock reduces, you then finally dice the cooked heart and the lungs. Grate the liver using the coarse side of the grater. You don't want it too fine. It doesn't have to be. And then finally dice the trimmings. You mix it all together then in a large bowl, along with the suet and the oatmeal and the spices. Now, measure how much stock remains from cooking the pluck and make up to one liter with cold water. When cool, add to the haggis mixture and check the seasoning. Pan fry a tablespoon of the mixture that you've just concocted for about two to three minutes and taste. And it's at this point where you add the extra salt, the pepper, the spices, you know, if needed. And you then spoon the haggis. You've got to spoon the haggis mix into the soaked, rinsed oxbung. And be aware that filling swells as it cooks. So pack it quite loosely. It doesn't have to be super tight. And then keep a little bung at each end. When the haggis is the size required, whatever you want it to be, um, expel any extra air. Just kind of pinch it and then tie it with a string and cut that with scissors. Tie the new end of the bung and continue stuffing freezing any spare haggis that you have left over. Because the great thing about that is that you can actually then turn that into little kind of meatball sized bites for, you know, that evening when you're sitting at home watching a movie, you just fancy a bit of haggis. They're perfect for that. So before cooking, pierce the haggis several times with a needle, not a knife, a needle. Place in a pan of cold water and bring to the boil. You then simmer that mix for about one and a half to two hours. And when ready, the internal temperature should read at least 74 degrees. Last but not least, serve with mashed potatoes and swede. Yum. Or neeps and tatties. I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? So neeps are turnips, turnips, turnips. So neeps and tatties are potatoes. Now, I would say the proper way to serve haggis, and I'm using a loose term here, but to me, the proper way to serve haggis is with all three elements served separately on the plate. So the haggis, the neeps, the tatties, don't mix them together. And what you'd have is a dollop of haggis, a dollop of mashed potato, and a dollop of turnip. And then what you do with your fork is take a small fork full of haggis and then take some potato and take some turnip and you mix them together. And it's eaten just on the plate with these three dollops. That's all you need. You know, I, but I know these days, look, there's more exotic alternative ways to, to eat haggis. And the most popular versions include, you know, I've, and I've seen them, you know, I've seen haggis nachos, um, haggis procura. One of my favorites is haggis scotch egg, which I absolutely love. And what you do is you actually use the haggis, you know, instead of the sausage meat uh, around the, the hard boiled egg. And I've seen haggis lasagna when traveling in Italy. So instead of lasagna sheets, uh, they can, they, I've seen them use potato scones, which is a, another kind of Scottish sort of Irish thing. So everybody gets Irish potato cakes, right? And because they are Irish, they're slightly more buttery than normal, and they seem to have this kind of almost sweet taste to them. But our potato scones, Scottish potato scones, the, the ones that I'm used to are actually flat and salty. But you know what? Regardless, whatever ones you use, they will look and taste awesome. 
Other than that, we also eat haggis on burgers. We have haggis burgers. I've also seen haggis paninis um, or toasties. Um, that also works pretty well. Um, and actually, if you do it, if you do a panini, add brie to it because that just ups the ante ever so slightly. And in Scotland, you can even get haggis flavored chips or crisps. And look, if uh, for any reason you happen to be in Glasgow, which is where my mother was born and, you know, where I spent, you know, my formative years you know, robbing telephone boxes on a Monday morning. Um, remember telephone boxes? And, and you would rob them on a Monday morning. Someone asked me this the other week. It was like, why would you rob them on a Monday morning? It's well, because people use them over the weekend to make calls. <laughs> anyway, I was four. Come on. So if you're in Glasgow, go to Bar Block which is an awesome, uh, you know, pub cum cafe on Bath Street. It's one of my favorite places to go whenever I'm in Glasgow for anything to eat. And they also do live music most nights of the week. So definitely worth a trip. Now, there is never a right or wrong way as such to serve haggis and its accoutrements. But this sauce, the whiskey sauce that I've been, you know, thinking about is... I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it is absolutely fantastic, but it's not traditional. And I didn't grow up eating haggis with any kind of sauce. We just didn't. You know, the sauce actually came from the juices of the actual haggis itself. So when I was younger, all we'd probably put on the same plate is maybe a little bit, a little dollop of ketchup um, or brown sauce. So, you know, I, I had it with sauce and the whiskey sauce again. It's excellent, but when I have haggis and tatties, I like it dry. Just use the uh, the actual juices from the haggis itself. And if your potatoes are creamy enough, and your turnip, you know, turnip seems to to hold quite a lot of water. So there's a there's a sort of a lot going on, you know, on your plate already. So the, there's a lot of juices there already. You know, haggis can be a little bit dry depending on how you've how you've cooked it. But I never grew up eating haggis with whiskey sauce or anything like that. So I'm just going to say that I think that the whiskey sauce is fairly recent, um, certainly within the last maybe 20 years or so. And I think for some people, it was actually kind of invented to make <laughs> to make haggis more palatable. I think people didn't mind the idea of eating haggis, but eating it with whiskey seemed to to dull the, the senses and the taste a little bit. But look, what I'll say is any excuse to consume whiskey, <laughs> even if it's in a sauce, it's good enough for me. And the haggis is not a seasonal dish. People think it is, you know, because it's served on buns night, but it's it's actually not. You know, people see it as that, that seasonal dish, but it's actually available all year round and you can have it any time. But of course, it is most commonly eaten on the 25th of January and it's traditional during a buns supper, as you know, as I mentioned, you know, basically to celebrate the the birth and then the life of Rabbi Burns, Scotland's national bard. And of course, there is an address to the haggis, a salute to the haggis that is read as the haggis is brought out from the kitchen and then placed on the table. It's a tradition that cannot be ignored on pain of no one getting haggis, basically. And let's just take a short break for a message from our sponsor. Altidomus is your one-stop shop for your Malaysia My Second Home visa, but they are much more than that. When you sign up with Orthodomus, you become part of a larger community, a community that cares about you in Malaysia. And that's important when you move to a new home. So for more information, call Orthodomus or WhatsApp them on 
plus six zero one two four nine three seven two seven zero or visit their website www.penangmyhome.com and we are back so reading this is gareth morrison and he's one of my favorite actors and i'll actually give you the translation directly afterwards in english so here we go gareth morrison reading the ode to haggis Fair far your honest sonsy face, great chieftain o' the pardon race. I've been the ma you take your place, pinch, tripe or thrain. Well, are you worthy o' a grace as lang as my arm? Your groaning trenches there you fill, your hurdies like a distant hill. Your pin would help mend a mill in time o' need, and through your pores your dews distill like amber beet. His knife's say rustic labour dicht, and cut you up with ready slicht, trenching your gushing entrails bricht like ony ditch. But then, oh, <laughs> what a sect! Warm, reeking, and rich. Then horn for horn they stretch and strive, deal take the hindmost on they drive, till ah, the wheel swelled kites belied are bent like drums. The old goodman's mace like to arrive. Be thank it hums. Well, is there that hour is French ragout, or olio that would store sue, or fricassee that would mack her spew with perfect sconner? Looks doon with sneering scornful view on sick a dinner. Poor devil, see him hour is trash, as feckless as a withered rash. His spindle shank a good whip lash, his neve a knit, and through bloody flood or field to dash. Oh, how unfit. But mark the rustic haggis fed. The trembling earth resounds its tread. Clap his wally neve a blade, he'll mack it whistle. And legs and arms and heads he'll sned like taps or thristles. Your powers wha mack mankind your care, and dish them out their bill of fare. Old Scotland wants none of your skinking wear that jops in luggies. But if you wish her grateful prayer, hear a haggis. What an amazing rendition to Rabbi Buns. Had you visited Scotland in the year of our Lord, 1805, this would have been the Scottish dialect that you would have heard. A guide and an interpreter would definitely have been needed. So in English, the poem goes something like this, and I'm not even going to attempt to put on a Scottish accent because I've got this thing about actors and Scottish accents, and I have to say, I thought Mel Gibson did an okay-ish job in Braveheart. There were places where he just went completely off script, but I think he did an okay job. I think Liam Neeson in Rob Roy did a fantastic job because he reverted to his original Irish kind of lilt. And here's the thing. The Scots originally came from Ireland. So it wouldn't have been out of place to hear an Irish accent while you were traveling through Scotland at that time. Anyway, I digress. So here's the poem that you just heard in English. 
Good luck to you and your honest, plump face, great chieftain of the sausage race. Above them all, take your place, stomach, tripe, or intestines. Well are worthy of a grace as long as my arm. The groaning trencher there you fill, your buttocks like a distant hill, your pin would help to mend a mill in time of need, while through your pores the dews distill like amber bead. His knife see rustic labor wipe and cut you up with ready slight, trenching your gushing entrails bright like any ditch. And then, oh, what a glorious sight, warm, steaming, rich. Then spoon for spoon, the stench and strive, devil take the hindmost, on they drive, till all their well-swollen bellies by and by are bent like drums. Then old head of the table, most like to burst, the grace hums. Is there that over his French ragout or oleo that would sicken a sow, or fricassee would make her vomit with perfect disgust, looks down with sneering scornful view? On such a dinner? Poor devil, see him over his trash, as feeble as a withered rush, his thin legs a good whip lash, his fist a nut, though bloody flood or field to dash, oh how unfit. But mark the rustic haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clap in his ample fist a blade, he'll make it whistle, and legs and arms and heads will cut off like the heads of thistles. You powers, you make mankind your care and dish them out the bill of fare. Old Scotland wants no watery stuff that splashes in small wooden dishes. But if you wish her grateful prayer, give her a haggis. What an amazing poem. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was the Ode to Haggis by Robert Burns in English. And I think that's actually a pretty good place to finish. I hope you enjoyed our ode to haggis, and I really hope that you enjoy the recipe that I shared with you. I'm so enthralled, I'm off to make a haggis as we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to send them through to rearviewmirrorchronicles at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to get your mail and have been doing so now for a couple of months. So please keep the uh, the mail coming and I'll look forward to hearing from you. Things I like to hear about are your your thoughts, your suggestions, not so much on the, the podcast that's uh, taken place, but really about maybe future podcasts or, or, or things that you'd like to hear about. So keep that in mind and drop me a note and I'll see what I can do. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again. Have an amazing end of January. Can you believe it? We're into 2024 already. Where do the years go? I don't know. I really don't know. But they seem to be going faster and faster. Thanks again, guys. And I will speak to you next week. Bye for now.